Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for OutKick 360 Friday edition, final hour as we get you ready for the college football and NFL weekend. The crew is all here. Chad, Paul, I, I have been looking forward to this segment all week with Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. We kick off hour number three, previewing the top game of the college football weekend. Chad, the reason why is because every year we can talk ourselves into why Tennessee will compete against Florida. And every year, Florida finds a way to win. Brent, all different now. I hope you're doing well. I know the atmosphere there is is awesome. Uh, wish we were there tomorrow to take everything in. Why is this year different for Tennessee tomorrow if they get a victory over Florida? Well, I think it's very similar to 2016. The difference in the game will be quarterback play. You know, when Tennessee won the game in Knoxville in 2016, the last time they beat Florida, Josh Dobbs was better uh, than Appleby was the, the Florida quarterback. And that was the difference in the game. Dobbs got off to a bad start, but got hot and, and he was dominant and, and Tennessee dominated that second half. I, I think if Tennessee wins this game, uh, it, you're going to look back and I think Hendon Hooker is going to have a huge part of that. I think it's not just going to be his arm. I think it's going to be his legs. Uh, th this is Hendon Hooker's moment and, and I think he's ready for it. And uh, I think he will play well tomorrow, and I think quarterback play will be the difference in this matchup when you look at it. That's not to say Anthony Richardson's not talented. He is. Uh, but but he builds so much off of his legs, and he's been reluctant to run the last two weeks. We'll see if they turn him loose uh, tomorrow. Uh, but uh, I, I just like Tennessee at the quarterback position better than Florida. To add on one thing that Hutton said, I will say as a Tennessee grad, I really haven't thought Tennessee might win since 2016. And that's the last time it happened because I don't have good feelings about this series and for good reasons if you're a fan. But, Brent, it's different between the way the fans feel and their energy about this rivalry and the way they enter this game. It doesn't really matter other than the noise they create. What about this Tennessee program under Josh Heupel? How do you feel like they're treating this series, this game, going into a, a big matchup with Florida – a team that you know Vegas has them as a ten and a half point favorite against. Yeah, it's a great point and a great question. I'll say this: I'm in the believe it, you know, see it to believe it camp is where I've been in because I've sat in a booth for this game since 1999. Okay, I mean, I haven't called wins, not many, not many of them, right? And I've called losses and been a part of calling losses every way possible, from the Gaffney catch, no catch to. Hail Marys to fourth and 13 conversions, you name it. You know, it seemingly Florida's found a way to win it. Tennessee's found a way to lose it. So I think that's where your fan base is coming from, and I understand that point. Uh, from, from a Josh Heupel standpoint, he's been very – and I'm not surprised. He's been very business as usual. Maybe it's a quarterback thing a little bit. We, we talked to Casey Clawson on our, on our Rewind show on Sunday night on YouTube, and I asked him, I said, how did you convey to your team – it's just ball. Just go play. And he goes, that's all it is. 
you just go play ball. And, and I think that is the thing that um, th- that Josh Heupel brings about. He, Josh Heupel was more worked up last week because nobody was asking about Akron, and he was worried about that than he has been this week. Because this week, as he said yesterday when he met the media, guys, what are you going to do, hide and avoid it? It's all anybody's talking about. Embrace it. This is the moment. Now you got to go prepare. But he hasn't changed up his preparation. They've gone about this week the same way they've gone about every week since he's been here. And I think that exudes something to players because we've seen in this series a, a Tennessee team scrimmage on an open date Saturday the week before. We've seen Tennessee go to Gainesville on a Thursday and, and stay an extra day to get acclimated to the heat. All those different things to break up your routine we've seen in the past. Josh Heupel said, you know what? Another ball game. Let's go play. Brent Hubbs with us, VolQuest.com, as we preview Tennessee and Florida. You mentioned Richardson, one-dimensional. He wants to get on the move, be on the run. Tennessee's not Kentucky defensively. But can Tennessee do some things that Kentucky did well? They forced him into turnovers, bad turnovers, and they corralled him enough to where he was not able to stay within rhythm or be in his game like he was against Utah. Can Tennessee, albeit slower and not nearly as consistent as the Wildcats defense, can they find ways to do that instead of letting Richardson do what he does best tomorrow? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, Tennessee believes that they can. They think they're better in the front seven. And obviously that's been a focal point for this defense since the entire offseason, not just for Anthony Richardson, but you go back to the last time they played a true running quarterback and what did Matt Corral do to Tennessee, right? It was quarterback power for 27 carries and 200 yards or whatever the number ended up being. So, uh, you know, it it is a focal point. It's been a focal point. Tennessee played DJ Irons last week from Akron, and I think they were hoping that he would run a little bit more than what he did. Now, he was reluctant to run because he was banged up, but Tennessee prepped all week long for a running quarterback. So they've prepped for two weeks for a running quarterback. They've yet to see one. Tennessee's rush lanes have been solid to this point, but they haven't been tested like this. you got to tackle in open space. You can't blow backside contain. Um, all those things if Richardson's going to run. I mean, your ends have to play upfield, and they have to play the contain, and they have to stay in their lanes. If you get... Look, you get washed down inside and give up a soft corner, you got problems. That's yeah. what Utah did, and that's why Richardson ran for 100 yards. Tennessee's got to be smart. They've got to play, you know, not lose their focus the entire game and play in their rush lanes, and we'll find out if they can do that. They feel like they're better equipped to do it this year than last. Talk us through the Cedric Tillman uh, factor here and um, the impact you think that'll have. Well, I mean, I think it's going to have an impact, and anybody who says that it's not, I, I don't understand where they would come with that from. I'm surprised the line hasn't moved with all of the, the the scuttle about Tillman not being available the last few days. Now, nobody's officially ruled him out, but nobody's talking like he's going to play either. Um, Cedric Tillman's been targeted 33% of the time when Hendon Hooker has thrown the football this year, right? I mean, that's his security blanket. That's where he's going with the football. So who steps up in his place to, to to offset that? Who does Hendon Hooker have trust in? He probably doesn't have the same trust in anybody in his receiving core that he has for Cedric Tillman. So who can who can win that trust early in this game? Who can get open and make plays? Obviously, Brew McCoy is going to get more opportunities. Jalen Hyatt's going to get more opportunities. And then where do they go from there? Is it Squirrel White? Is it Walker Merrill? Is it Ramel Keaton? My guess is it's a combination of all three. 
And we'll see. Brew McCoy has lined up opposite of Cedric Tillman, and Tillman has been with the slot receiver 90% plus during the season this year. So do they move McCoy over to where they're, they're bracketed? Those two guys are on the same side of the field. And then you play a Keaton, Merrill, uh, Squirrel White, you know, on the backside or the opposite side uh, in that one-on-one situation. Or do you bump out Jalen Hyatt outside and play Squirrel White some inside? I, I think you can get creative, but there's no doubt those guys need to catch the ball early for Hendon Hooker to, to make sure the trust factor is there because the guy he believes in the most is Cedric Tillman, and it certainly doesn't feel like there's much optimism he's going to be on the field Saturday. Brent, Tennessee needs to run the football. To do that, they need running backs. Uh, what's the situation right now with Jabari Small and, and Dylan Sampson? I know Jalen Wright had a career day in carries against Akron, but where does Tennessee stand with the health of that running back room? Well, I think Jalen Wright will start the game uh, for Tennessee. I expect Jabari Small to go and be available. I don't know how long the shoulder is going to hold up, if it'll hold up fine or if it won't. He'll have it braced up, and we'll see. That's one of those tricky things, right? It can feel good, and you just get hit on it the wrong way, and, and all of a sudden you know, you're, you're hurting and you can't go. So we'll just see. I think Dylan Sampson is a situation where uh, he's going to try to go in warm-ups. He says he's played with a sprained ankle before. This is not high school where you're the fastest guy on the field by far. So we'll see what he can do during warm-ups if he's available in some kind of emergency role. Tennessee at one point this week on the practice field was repping Princeton fan at running back um, as an emergency guy because they just weren't sure where they were going to be and where their depth is. Where's their confidence level with Justin Williams Thomas, the other freshman who's played sparingly to this point? That's why I go back to Hendon Hooker in this game and it's not just his arm, it's his legs. He has to be a factor in the run game, similar to what Dobbs was in 2016 when he rushed for nearly 100 yards and threw for 300 yards, similar to what Tennessee did with Hendon Hooker in the Pittsburgh game. I think they're going to have to design run him um, you know, 8, 10, 12 times in this game. I think he's got to be that big of a part of the run game for Tennessee. We will see. Um Tennessee's run it well against two teams that don't stop the run very well. Against Pittsburgh, who stops the run well, Tennessee didn't run it well, and quite frankly, with the running backs, weren't very committed to trying to run it. They felt like their best option was Hendon Hooker. We'll see how well they can run the game, you know, run the ball in this game on on Saturday because Florida's going to, I'm sure, load up and sell out to stop the run and be comfortable playing man coverage on the outside. It's what they do. Brent, we know Ventrell Miller is important to Florida. How important is he to this game? Because he's questionable rushing off the edge against what Tennessee will want to do in the passing game. I, I think he's huge, and it's not from a physical play standpoint. I think he's huge from a mental standpoint, getting guys lined up. Um, a, a week ago when they did not have him, it was it's two freshmen uh, at the linebacker position. I mean, he is Miller's their quarterback on defense. And I think part of the issue that Florida had in stopping uh, the Baylor transfer at quarterback for South Florida last week, who ran for over 100 yards, was they had a hard time getting lined up. Uh, they busted a lot of stuff, and I think part of that was because they didn't have their quarterback on the field. Now, he's practiced some late this week. Supposedly, he went through practice yesterday in a non-contact jersey. I don't know how much Florida hits on the practice field on Wednesdays and Thursdays of game week. Most teams don't hit on a Thursday. So there's talk like today he was in a non he was in a regular jersey, not a non-contact jersey. I don't know what that means on your accelerated walkthrough or not. Most people thought he was going to miss three to five weeks with that injury. If he comes back against Tennessee, that means he's missed basically 12, 13 days 
Um, that would be an early return. I don't know that he would be 100%, but Florida may feel like they're going to let him chance it and, and go out there and see what he can do just to help that defense get lined up. They had a hard time lining up last week. I think he's big mentally for Florida. Defensively for Tennessee, Jawan Mitchell got his first action last week against Akron. There's some freshmen now getting some more playing time. Brent, who do you see sort of elevating in playing time on the defensive side of the ball for Tennessee that could make an impact in this game against Florida? I, I take one guy to keep an eye on, and it could be feast or famine a little bit with, with him. I don't know. Is Joshua Josephs off the edge? Okay. Um, and, and when I say feast or famine, does he have enough um, focus, focus and mentality to play contain the way you need to against Anthony Richardson? He's long. He gets up field. He played a bunch of snaps last week. Roman Harrison only played a handful of snaps last week. Been a little bit danged up, banged up. We'll see where Harrison is. I think you could see Joshua Josephs early in this game, how he plays that leverage game on the outside as an end in the contain process will be really important to see how many snaps he can play and what they do with him and how much they rotate up there. I mean, they're going to start with Barron and they're going to start with Byron Young, but they like to slide Barron inside on, on pass rush, third down situations. But you're still going to have to play contain on third down because of Richardson's scrambling ability. So can Joshua Josephs handle that up front? Don't be surprised if they play um, Tyreek West a little bit as well to try to spell some snaps. They do not want to play Omari Thomas 60, 65 snaps in this game like he did against Pittsburgh. They would like to get that number down. So Rodney Garner may rotate some guys early to see who's locked in and who he can get lathered up up front. I think you'll see more fresh faces up front than you will anywhere else on the field for Tennessee. I think at linebacker, it's going to be those three, Mitchell, uh, Banks, Beasley. And in the secondary, I think you're going to see Christian Charles out at the corner. Florida will try to challenge him and pick on him a little bit. But I think the rest of it's going to be pretty much who you've seen all season long for Tennessee. Brent Hubbs with us. Brent, forgive me. I'm always kind of looking ahead with the storylines here. Okay. In the offseason, we were discussing if Tennessee beats Pittsburgh or Florida, what it could set up. If they beat both, what does it mean? It probably means Danny White's writing another paycheck to Josh Heupel pretty soon, right? Um, I mean, he's going to be elevated in his status uh, pretty quick, um, you know, because he, he's beat somebody. But, but I mean, it, it will set up a month of October where Tennessee's going to be on the focal, you know, going to be in the forefront. They're going to climb in the rankings and people are going to be talking about them and it's going to make Tennessee relevant. Now, you know, you got an open date, you got to get some people well. Then you got to go to Baton Rouge, which I think is going to be harder than any Tennessee fan has thought. You know, they look at Brian Kelly first year and they watch him play against Florida State and this, and they're acting like, you know, that they're not very good. They'll, they will be good. They will be ready to play. They're getting better. They're starting to find themselves a little bit. It's the easiest, look to, it's the easiest it will be, but it will still be very difficult with Brian yes. Kelly there. Right. Just ask Mississippi yeah, I, State. Right. I mean, I think so. I mean, well, Mississippi State, what, had to lead till the fourth quarter, and then yeah. all of a sudden here yeah. comes LSU, bam, 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 and it's over. Um, but, yes, to your point, it will be the easiest, but uh, it, it won't be easy. Uh, but right. but it, sets up, it sets up a October of relevance for Tennessee, I think is the big biggest thing. And when you look at Tennessee, you really do have to go back to 2016 to find Tennessee in a moment of October relevance, that we saw what Tennessee did. they that year they beat Florida, then they go beat Georgia on the Hail Mary, and then 
They lose in overtime to A&M because they didn't go for two at the end. Of, well, you can debate whether they should have went for two at the end of regulation there. But then it was all set up for them, and they collapsed down the stretch. But my point is, that month of October, Tennessee was relevant in college football. They haven't been relevant in college football in October very often the last decade and a half. And that's what a win tomorrow would do for Tennessee is it would make them relevant in October. If if they win this game afterwards, does Heupel acknowledge it as significant in the recent context of the series and what Tennessee-Florida means? Or does he stick with kind of the... I don't want to say just another game, but the sure. the kind of tone he's had this this week coming into it. Well, I I think he will acknowledge the significance for the Tennessee fan base because he, he's he's embraced this fan base. They love they they really like him. He's continues to say glowing things about them. So, Paul, I think he will talk about the relevance of it for the Tennessee fan base because of the scars and what they've been through. With his team, I think it will be more of a, okay, what are you going to do with it, right? I mean, you if they were to win the game, you won the game. Now, what are you going to go do with it? Is that your high watermark? Are you going to build off of that? I think it will be a very much right back to work mentality after you celebrate for 24 hours for Josh Heupel. I think that will be his approach internally. I think externally, he will certainly acknowledge and appreciate the fact that it's a significant win for a Tennessee fan base who, again, has got a lot of scars for the way this game's gone the last 20 years plus. Brent, uh, I've been solely focused, admittedly, on Richardson and the matchup there with how they corral him, keep him on the on the cage rush where he can't get outside and make things happen. Outside of him, what's the matchup to watch tomorrow? Well, I think it's Tennessee's ability to stop the run with the running backs. They've got three running backs who are solid players. They got they they kind of mix and match with all three of those guys. I, I think I think that uh, and and specifically within that, I think it's early downs, right? I mean, can you? It's easier to defend Anthony Richardson if you're in third and if they're in third and eight, third and nine. So can Tennessee win the early down, win the first down battle, and put themselves in a situation where? It's easier to contain Richardson because it's hard to scramble for 10 or 12 yards for a first down. He literally has to throw it. So I, I think within the game, um, it's Tennessee's ability to stop Florida's ground game on early downs to force him into third and long. I, I think that's a big key for Tennessee's defense. Well, he's not good throwing on third down. We, we, we hit those numbers earlier. The fact you didn't mention a wide receiver matchup, though, is a bit surprising in this. We know the run, the run game means a lot in determining the winner of this rivalry, but... If a wide receiver gets going against this secondary, does that speak volumes to what's ahead for Tennessee and and how how they're not quick, they're they're slow in the secondary on the back end? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if a if a receiver makes a bunch of plays for for Florida, that means Anthony Richardson's had a great day playing the, playing football, playing the position. Yeah, right now, I don't think anybody's talking about a receiver because you just mentioned all the the poor numbers of, of right. Richardson throwing the ball, how bad he's been. So if a receiver has a big day, I think the bigger thing is they could not get Anthony Richardson out of rhythm. They did not win a, enough up front to get them out of rhythm. Is this secondary going to be a lockdown secondary? No, no, they're not. And, and they won't be all year long. That's why they've got to get to the quarterback and they've got to affect the quarterback. That's why you have seen you have seen – Tim Banks be super aggressive up front 
Um, you know, they, they've done it some with just a, a four-man speed rush. They've done it some with blitzes. They brought nickels. They brought safeties. They've tried to mix and match because they want to affect the quarterback because I don't think they feel comfortable rushing three, dropping eight, and say, hey, our secondary can, can cover everywhere because I, I, don't, I don't think this secondary has proven that, that they can do that. Florida's receivers are, are not bad, but they don't have a guy with 100 yards receiving. They don't have a go-to guy at receiver. Um, I don't want to say they don't have a guy who doesn't scare you, but with Richardson's inconsistency, they don't have a guy that you just go, oh, wow. You know, they, they, don't, they don't have one of those guys that we've seen through the years uh, to, to give Tennessee a ton of trouble. But, again, if Richardson gets hot, then you got a whole different ballgame on your hands. No doubt. Uh, Brent, leave us, leave us with this. The, the, the atmosphere in Knoxville, the buildup for this game. Game day's there. Set the scene for us tomorrow. What are we going to see whenever we see the shots of Knoxville? Mass humanity of people on campus. I mean, you know, Danny White's throwing a tailgate party for people who don't have tickets. I don't know where those people wow. are going to park. We're to right here, to by the way. Humanity. So, here we are. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go park and, and, and everything. But, um, you know, the pictures, I mean, I, I was I was on campus yesterday, driving driving off campus yesterday. I mean, the Vol Navy looked full yesterday, right? And and then there's pictures on Facebook of dozens of boats lining up to come through the lock at Fort Loudon to get to the Tennessee River to get to the Vol Navy spot. So, I mean, it's a hard, hard sellout. I mean, it's you probably go got to go back to 2016 Florida when you've seen this kind of of ticket. Um, I think there's more enthusiasm about this right now because of the style of play. Um, there's not a moment where, you know, in, in 2016, Butch Jones should have won the two previous Florida games. So there was a lot more angst, all right? They lose that 10-9 game in 14, which was just a debacle of a loss. Trayon Harris. And then they lose, yeah, then they lose on the fourth down play in, at the Swamp the next year. So 16 was all about nerves, okay? The feeling of this one's a little different. Tennessee fans, now you got a handful of people like me who are like, I remember this game, this game, this game, this game, this like game, and how it ended right. bad. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm the same right? way. Same way. I mean, we all re- we remember all those games, but then you've got another collection of fans who are strutting through town, pretty good, going, "Hey, we're double, we're double digit favorites. It's our time to yes. lay the hammer to this team for the first time in a long, long time." So you got a little different confidence level with this matchup than you had in the 2016 matchup. I, I think the 2016 matchup was much more. A lot more angst, and it was magnified by how bad Tennessee started that football game. If this play, if they can get off to a good start tomorrow, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna come unhinged inside that stadium. It really is. I, I mean, this is as excited as we've seen Tennessee fans in a long time. Chad, hit him with your hypo question with the fan base. The theme of the week, if he wins. The theme for Heupel? Yeah. So if Heupel wins, he endears himself to this fan oh, base. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's, I know he's not thinking about this, but Brent, you and I know what this does for Josh Heupel in the eyes of Tennessee fans to go and put one on Florida. Just win by a point even, but if they handle business, how much Tennessee fans will love him even more? Oh, there's no doubt. This is the, this is the first... This is the first game for Josh Heupel where he gets a mark beside his name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 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 it, it, if you win, it's a good mark. If you don't win, it's a bad mark. It's an X. All the ones up until this point have been okay. Let's figure out what this guy's doing. I mean, Ole Miss was disappointing. Don't get me wrong, 
But, but, but you know, losing the bowl game is disappointing, but eh, it's okay. This is the one, there's expectation, you're the favorite. All the pressure's on Tennessee in this football game. Everything. Florida's coming in loose as a goose, right? I mean, they got nothing to lose at this sure. point. They need to win it because they can't go 0-2 in conference play. But Billy Napier's in a honeymoon, right? Because if they don't win it, everybody's going to say, man, Dan Mullen left him empty, nothing. The culture's bad. They quit on him last year. He's got so much work to do to try to build this thing up. On the flip side, this is supposed to be your moment, right? This is a Josh Heupel, you're going to plant a bit of a flag moment. Not that you're supreme in the East, but you're planting a flag against a rival. If you win it, everybody's going to love you. If you lose it, everybody's going to go, wait a minute. And, and, and it's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be some reservation. They're not going to throw him out of town or none of that kind of stuff, but it will be the first mark, good or bad, on Josh Heupel in his career at Tennessee tomorrow. Hey, and if, if Hendon Hooker comes out and plays fantastic, we already heard the buzz about Anthony Richardson off of week one against Utah. Get ready. Because the buzz will build all the way to the head-to-head matchup against Bryce Young in Alabama and Knoxville later in October. Brent, well, uh, and, and yeah. you're exactly right because like quickly, I mean, the roadmap in front of Hendon Hooker is opportunity. Yes. If he plays well, there's so many opportunity games in front of him to showcase for, for all the national individual awards, including the Heisman Trophy. Enjoy it. We're jealous. Uh, I would love to be in attendance tomorrow because this is one of those buzz games. Every year that Florida comes to town, there's a buzz. But this feels different, and so does the Vegas line. It reflects that. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It, it's different tomorrow. And Tennessee, no question. I, I'm they shocked need to, it's still they need, they need shocked. to handle business against Florida uh, for, for that sh- reason. I'm stunned nobody has put money on Florida to drop that line. I mean, I, you know, yeah. when it started at three and a half – and jumped, I thought, okay, late in the week, it's going to bounce back down to eight, you know, a touchdown, whatever. It has not budged, which surprises me. Nobody believes in Florida in Las Vegas. I mean, nobody's buying the Florida the, the Florida stuff at all right now. I mean, Chad put... But it should be fun. Chad put $3.72 on it. I but. put $5 on the Florida money line just to hedge my happiness a bit, Brent, which I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans... <laughs> man, I don't think that $5 will move that line down any, but it's worth the shot. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think it's going bu- to buzz it. It should be a blast. It should be a scene. We're going to all get on campus early tomorrow and uh, mill around the mass of humanity, and then we'll see what happens. But I... I I can't imagine there's going to be a louder place in college football. No offense to Kansas, who sold out this week against Duke. Good on you, Jayhawks. Congratulations. Lance Leopold's done a great job there, but there's not going to be a place in the country tomorrow like Neyland Stadium. Hey, uh, I look forward to uh, when you guys take the air tomorrow outside of Gate 21. I'll be listening. Uh, Enjoy the broadcast. Enjoy the atmosphere. Enjoy the coverage. And and thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Absolutely, guys. Have a great one. There's Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com, the site of record for all things Tennessee, SEC coverage, and more. They've got it covered from Knoxville tomorrow for Tennessee and Florida. Should mention Trey Wallace will be there as well for OutKick, for our game of the week on OutKick.com for the SEC. Coming up, we go through the top games for tomorrow's college football slate outside of Tennessee and Florida. That's next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The poll right now through Outkick on Twitter. Who are you taking in the Outkick 360 game of the week? Gators or Vols? And that's that's a line. Who are you taking on the line? Yeah, Minus the line through DraftKings. Through yeah. DraftKings, it's plus ten and a half for Florida. Right now, fifty three point eight percent are taking the Vols. <sighs> Minus ten and a half. Gosh, I'm one of them. I, I, I'm one of them. I took a. a I gave a point too. Look, I, I Vegas could see, knows something here. I could see Tennessee winning a cl- a close game. I just I would have a hard time taking minus ten. Their kick is people. geographically bigger in the. Among yeah. Tennessee fans and Florida fans, though, no. One of our top, one of our top uh, states is California. Florida's well, a Texas. huge, Florida's a I, huge state. state too, I would say, Vegas is begging people to take Florida here. That's my read on this. Seems like I took, I gave the points for that reason. Vegas knows, Chad. I just look. Tennessee is has been the better team so far this year. There's no disputing that. If they play the way they can play at home in front of this crowd, they're going to win but, pulling away. But but I continue to – that Utah performance, <laughs> granted it was at home and all the – but Utah, I'm trying to put into perspective of Utah was a team many were picking for the college football but you, playoff. You would agree Very Utah, Utah lost that game on the final drive, right? They're on the four-yard line. Still. They're on the four-yard – so you're saying Tennessee Richardson had some remarkable fourth down plays. But Tennessee would have to lose this play. game is what Vegas is saying. Not Florida's not winning it. Tennessee would have to lose it. I'm just not buying that the quarterback plays that often. No. I, I look, Hendon Hooker, I have much more faith in than Anthony Richardson based on performance and what he's done for Tennessee. But if Anthony Richardson is going to be Anthony Richardson to bear, against Kentucky, Tennessee's got to take advantage. Right, Kentucky's defense was good enough to run it back for a touchdown when he made the big mistake, right? Tennessee's got to be that good on defense. Top college football games of the weekend, Clemson and Wake Forest. This is a big matchup for Wake Forest. This is the hurdle game. So they, they win what they win 10 or 11 games last year total, including the bowl game. This is the game that they let get away. And based on where Wake Forest is and all the preseason hype, they're on the road. They're the underdog. I think Clemson's starting the wrong quarterback. I would take Wake Forest money line on this. I think Wake Forest pulls the upset tomorrow at Clemson. Clemson, by the way, if they don't have the longest home winning streak, I took a screenshot of this and I apologize. They have the second longest home winning streak in the country. I think Wake Forest wins this game on the road tomorrow. Well, this is at Wake Forest. Excuse me. I think Wake Forest wins at home. You yeah. know that they play... NC State, uh, by the way, a week later, you guys know what I think about the Wolfpack. Can Wake withstand Clemson's defensive front is the well, question. Wake, Wake's got to be able have. to win a physical matchup with their run game. They've been able to run the football early. They need this against Clemson. It's, it's tough to do, 
they have to win that one on one matchup. That's the big question on I the have. offensive line. That's where I don't have a, something, that's where uh, my faith wanes a little bit. Well, that's fair. I mean, I, I'm rooting for Wake. That's why they're favored by seven. Well, here. there's Clemson. something that fundamentally I just I can't get in line with when a college stadium has a corporate sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm really drawn away from Wake Forest playing in Truist Stadium. I don't disagree with like, you. Like Truist Park for the Braves. Yeah. You um, should support it a, because it's got the same sponsor no, as no, your no, team. No, not this, in this college. Is, this like, is a reach. I want like some. Oh, no, truest no, all the way. No, no, truest no, no, through no, and through. No, no, Paul, no, no, you're, no. you're reading it wrong. Me. This is not. You don't have the donors, so you have to go to the yeah, sponsors. I want the. I want the <laughs> yeah, Baptist no, preacher that founded. <laughs> that was one of the early, you yep. know, uh, ambassadors for Wake Forest. On that stadium, Freddie name. Wayne Smoot. I want four different names. I want you know Vaught Hemingway Stadium <laughs> next to it with a, a hyphen. Don't give me Truist Stadium. I just I can't buy into the atmosphere at Truist Stadium at Wake Forest and because, for this game. And because of Clemson's that, the college football preacher Dabo is going on the road and winning. Right, he is okay. about to deliver a sermon on the mount post game <laughs> after they just stop Wake Forest. They're going to win. I, I, no one wants Clemson to win. So if you want the upset, we're rooting for Wake Forest. Clemson's defense is too tough. They're going to find a way to win a grinded-out type game, and I think their offense will get going enough to win this one. Chad, if uh, at Truist Stadium is Nebraska's future head coach hosting Baylor tomorrow? Well, so reports um, that I know Outkick has a story. Also, there's multiple reports that you've got two possible future Nebraska coaches going head to head. Dave Aranda has been contacted by Nebraska, according to reports, and they are going all in on taking Dave Aranda from Baylor. Why would he go? the next Nebraska coach. Because it's the Big Ten. And Baylor's the Big Big 12. 12. Dude, a bad Big Ten job is Uh, not better than a Baylor job. I I, I think it's very much a lateral move. Not five years from now. I wouldn't go. He he can get a better better job in the SEC or the Big Ten between now and then. If he wanted to wait, he could get a better job eventually. But (laughs) I can give you the reasons that Nebraska's a better job right now than even Baylor. But he's got, ba- he's got Baylor go. rolling right Do now. Do not go. Um, I think Iowa State wins at home, though. Baylor is, is Nebraska's future head coach against coaching BYU. in this game. Either way. I don't think Nebraska's going to get that lucky. Okay. No. He's not getting either. Nebraska, like, if you think Tennessee fans are scarred against Florida, talk to any Nebraska fan right now about them in close games and Fair things enough. going their way when it's a, a game of chance happening. So I don't think they're lucky enough to get either one of these great coaches. Um, I think Lance Leipold's more of their speed at this point. And he may be the best one. Yeah, it could be great. Of the options. Arkansas and Texas A&M. A&M is favored by two points. They're hosting the Razorbacks. I'm taking Arkansas here. I now, think Arkansas is winning big. I don't, I don't know if it's big. But big would be what to you? in college for this game. Paul, look how bright you are right now. I, yeah, I, I feel it. I need to change into sunglasses. We just talked about the sun. Paul is here. Look, you look like you're about to levitate here. Paul is going to levitate right now. The sunset's coming through the windows it's for those time. listening. I it's think they're winning this down. game by 10 points. Okay, so that's big. 10 here is big. Okay. I would take... I, I think Arkansas wins, but I think it's Arkansas by a possession. That could be three, six, seven, eight. It's, it's, a, it's a tight game and... Arkansas, Arkansas's ability to run the football and play their identity, I trust that more than anything with a and I right also now. think they will sack the quarterback and probably like sack, fumble, score. However, Boys, I, I would like to take this moment to quote one of our good friends and a legend. 
Coach Doug Matthews. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Um, who's coach a different Are we going to get this damn guy on the positions? line or what? No, it's not that quote, which is also <laughs> you need a to quote. You him correctly. <laughs> no, no, I can't. He's, he has, We're on the radio. That's right. He Fair has, enough. He has long argued that in a decision being made between the talented big guys versus the talented little guys, yeah. Go big. you always take the talented big guys over the talented little guys. Texas A&M's got the, got the trenches. Their defensive line is great. Their defense, while they lost to App State, has been really, really good this year. I'm taking the talented big guys of A&M. We always say, what does Vegas know? Vegas knows that A&M defensively yeah. can slow down Arkansas in their run game. Just like last week. Texas A&M is going to win this game, and they are going to start to right the ship of their season in mm. that App State game. May eventually look like just a blip on the radar for I, Jimbo Fisher. We need Drew Sanders. I say we. Offense is still bad. Paul though. and I need Offense Drew Sanders to be bad. a difference in this game. Alabama transfer. He's already accumulated six sacks. He's fun Tops to watch. in the nation. Recorded at least one sack in each game. As a team, Arkansas leads the country with 17 sacks. But to give up a if lot of A&M is smart, they treat A-Chain. Uh, just let's go full steam ahead here with the run. Treat him like the Titans should be treating Derek, Derek Henry. Henry. Give him the ball a ton. Run it. Don't throw it. Stick with your ground game and your defense. But see, Arkansas is okay against the run. I don't know specifically, but Arkansas gives up a ton of passing yards, and Texas A&M can't uh, throw it. A Drake. ton. Through, yeah, Arkansas through, through has games. given up 325-plus every game this year so far. That yeah, includes a game against Missouri State. An average of 352. Yes. Yes, but can A&M throw it? No, that's why I, that's why I like but this game. In it's Arkansas. also Arkansas wants to run it. They don't have a great passing games now without Traylon Burks. So A&M's got the defense to stop, shut down their their rush attack. Also, on the flip side of that, quarterbacks. Give me Sanders, the sophomore from Florida, SEC's leading rusher. Let's go. Give me Max Johnson, breakout performance. Let's go. A&M's defense though allowing just eight point seven points per game. That's how you win in the SEC. You can't tease this game hard enough. That's how you win in the I, SEC. I'm looking. Isn't it amazing, by the way, that I'm trying. A&M has a win over Miami already, and they are, to me, by far the most disappointing team in the SEC, or one of them. Well, lose right? to well, a so far, yes. But like, if I'd have told you, hey, they're going to beat Miami and do it pretty easily. Yeah. You know, never be truly challenged at home. Not a blowout or anything, but uh, yeah, yeah. Will they be will they be disappointing going into that Arkansas game on a neutral site? You would have said no. I would have said no. Well, who was the loss? I can't remember. There were three bad losses. Appalachian that day. State. Well, they lost them. Appalachian State. So they uh, ran you know, it all over them. That that's the thing that kills them. App State, by the way. To hey. me, it's it's not just App State though. It's the fact that they do not have a functional 2022 offense. Or they look like they're running an old school offense in a, a digital era. Right now. I'm That's asking this to uh, Davey Hudson, who has a migraine right now, and I'm looking this up as I say it. He James Madison. Like James Madison is playing App State. I don't know where the game is. James Madison is legit. Appalachian State has He's been legit. playing uh, on the ropes every week, and they're the Cinderella of the college football season. I'd watch that game. I believe App State's likely favored. They're likely on the ropes. James road, Madison too. is a live dog in this game. I'm just I'm telling you, their quarterback is legit. Uh, transfer from Colorado State. Everyone is going to be on App State based on what they've seen over the last three weeks. And App State barely won Madison. last week. Last week with the uh, game day, there took a hail right. mary. Yeah, but I mean, again, like that's the, that's like added to their Everybody's whole favorite. aura. Yeah, James Madison's in their first year in D one or FBS. Let me get it right. 
Eddie George corrected me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Stop FBS, botching that. Would you? FCS. You're hosting a show. I said you Division Two. He right. goes, get it right, Hud. It's FCS. Sorry. Sorry, Coach. Yeah, it's not Division Two. They are Division I said, I thought I was talking to Eddie instead of the coach here. He laughed. One in the it's same. still Division One, Division Two to me. Chad, it, it's, well, it's one Chad double A. It's never du- been Division Two. You're wrong in that. It's Division One A, Division One Double A was the oh. old deal. Now it's FBS, FCS. I think of my alma mater. Division Two is totally AA. different. You have Division One A, Division One Double A, then you have Division Two and Division Three. You're you're talking to a guy who grew up going to uh, Tennessee State, Middle Tennessee State games. Trust me when I say. <laughs> It felt like Division Two, even though it was Double A. I think a one Double A, Columbia. It definitely had Division Two feels <laughs> about it. I don't even know, like, who's the top? I know Division Three programs: Sewanee, Hardy, right. Rhodes. I don't know North any Dakota Division State. Two programs. No, they're FCS. Oh, FCS. Division Two is totally um, separate. Like the FCS is. The old James Madison, no, yeah, TSU, yeah, yeah, yeah. OVC schools, right? North Dakota State. Eastern Kentucky. I don't know Division Two schools. Please tweet us with your favorite Division Two program. <laughs> Tell us where we're wrong. Yeah. James tweet Madison us your favorite State. Division Two schools. This. this is going to be a Here's great. Here's an Outkick 360 poll question: Who is the Bama of Division Two? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Wisconsin Whitewaters D three. James that was Madison, Lance Leipold. Hey, James Madison's getting seven points at Boone, North Carolina, against App State. Take Adelphi as Division Two. Take. James Madison with with DraftKings. Outkick. Pick a letter, I'll tell you a bet. Division II school. Bet. I've got an alpha, alphabetical list. Hey, we get you Barry ready. Barry University. We get you ready for the oh, weekend. I was recruited by Barry. The top for a short games. Time. We'll give our picks next on Outkick 360. Drury. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just want to say coming back, Beware of Northern Illinois if you are a Kentucky Wildcats fan. Why? Kick 360 rolls on. Um, Is there a quarterback back? He was. He's listed as questionable. Um, Rocky Lombardi? Rocky Lombardi. He left the game against Vandy. Vandy won by 10 points. Now Northern Illinois goes on the road at Kentucky. Kentucky does not play well. Against, they're, they're a lot like the Titans. They play down they to their do opponent. They do play down, yeah. Beware. And... If you're a Wildcats Almost fan. lost to Chattanooga last year at home. Right. Around the same time. Yeah. Outkick 360 rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, get us ready for the weekend. Well, we got Northern Illinois for their scheduling, by the way. Yeah. They're not afraid. They're not worried at all. They, they, I mean, they they were looking good with their starting quarterback in against Vandy, but Vandy he and A.J. Swan seven. took off uh, yep. at that point on, so good for them. Big weekend ahead. A lot yep. of football we're going to be watching. The mentality we need to carry into this football weekend is a similar mentality to what we heard from Mike Tomlin last night postgame after a loss to the Browns. But it's Tomlin. He was asked by someone in the media covering Pittsburgh. He was asked about, hey, are there any encouraging signs? 
you can take away from the game. Hmm. And here's what Mike Tomlin had to say. What a soft. First half. I wasn't looking to be encouraged. I was looking to win the game. And so, you know, we, we, I would expect us to get better in all phases. Um, and so I don't know if I share that perspective. <laughs> I love that. Cheerleader that, tried to softball well, him I, and he wasn't having it. It was also, hey, there were some real encouraging signs in tonight's loss. And while I'm not really looking for encouragement, I'm looking for wins. I love Mike Tomlin's matter-of-fact persona. He's not rude about it. He's not angry with the media. He just says, well, I'm not really interested in that. I'm looking for wins and getting better in all phases and coming back and winning. Paul, love that. I have, I have found out how I'm going to call these uh, victories for Cleveland because we saw it in week one against Carolina. These are Haslam victories. If they're around 500, around the time Deshaun Watson is eligible in week, uh, week 12 at Houston after a bye week, they will be in playoff contention based on the division because they now have a win over Pittsburgh, the win over Carolina. By the way, Baker Mayfield, lowest QBR in the NFL right now. Baker Mayfield in Carolina, which is crazy to think about. But knowing that Cleveland's 2-1 and one, should be 3-0, and oh, that bodes well for a return of Deshaun Watson. Even if they're a game below 500, I still think they're in playoff contention and that propels them forward. Well, Cincinnati start certainly helping them. I like what the Browns are doing very much. I like the formula. Um, that my question is, and John McClain's hit on this: How good is Deshaun Watson? Just going to plop back in and pick up where he left off after all this non-football and they're in the cold in a windy place where he didn't yeah. want to go. All of that. He is going to be the most scrutinized football player in the history of mankind. When that suspension wears off. Let's roll fast here. What storyline are we talking about on Monday? I will start by saying I think we are discussing the Titans-Colts game as being a, a, a pink slip day for Frank Reich a week from now after they host the Chiefs this weekend. And the Vols, they win big over Florida. I, I think I'm going to roll with what you said. I think Packers-Bucks is going to be a big discussion point whatever happens in that game come yep. Monday. I think um, I think we're talking a lot about UT uh, being in a prime position. Back at it on Monday. Hope you'll join us for Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Kindly lock your locks.